Welcome to Content Inspire, a podcast focused on sharing good people doing great things within the sports nutrition and fitness industry. Welcome to Content Inspire. I'm your host, Andrew Calvino. And today I have the legend and badass Chris Waldrum. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with me and the listeners. I have a feeling that when they hear your story, dude, they're going to go after it. So thank you, man. Dude, absolutely. Thank you for that intro. Always overwhelmingly kind. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked to get into it today. So thank you for the time and everybody listening. Stay till the end because we're going to go through uh, the rabbit hole and back. (laughs) Um, So first question that I'm going to drop your way is what is your why? Man, dude, and that's so deep. So my why is just like multifaceted. Um, One of the biggest reasons I wanted to start a company was due to my dad. And my dad's an architect. He's an artist. And I grew up as an artist. And I always wanted to do art. But I never knew how to be able to put something together where that would be profitable, at least lucrative enough to have a family. So my why came from wanting to design, wanting to put stuff that just invigorates people, energizes people lifts them up, like motivates them and inspired is kind of like that embodiment where I wanted to build a company that art lifestyle, I know lifestyle is like overutilized. So now I use a little bit more like culture and whatnot, but I wanted to create something that I had all of my essence from design and everything I loved growing up that when I presented it to people, it really gets them like, you know, stoked on life, dude, like empowered. I think the biggest thing that we're dealing with right now is a lack of empowerment. Maybe some people are empowered that they shouldn't be. And with inspired, like the, our tagline is United We Inspire. That's what I created the company for. And fortunately it's enough to provide for me and my family where I could have a great life, but still connecting to other individuals, just uplifting them, enriching their lives and uh, you know, give them some sort of like substance and purpose. So, you know, encapsulate that in, (laughs) in uh my purpose or my wife that's an incredible why so thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners man on the reel got a little bit of guilt on that <laughs> sorry know. i couldn't i couldn't consolidate it a little bit more <laughs> that's your why i never tell people to whenever anything that you say what's your why it's your why it's authentic and it's you so that's all that matters and then another quick question your way is when was that moment that you decided to leave the old nine to five job and start inspired like was it like a switch a moment where you were like i'm gonna fucking do my own shit yeah man so to preface like inspired i'd never really had confidence in myself to be a business owner and mainly because i know like i have high aptitude but i could be extremely lazy and to be a competent business owner you have to be on it 24 7 diligent with everything and make sure you you know you arrive to the job every day so i didn't have too much confidence in myself so i was a college dropout and school I did terrible I mean I was expelled and I didn't even graduate high school so it's just I was taken from that perspective like okay if I can't do well in school I'm not going to be a great business owner so how is this going to you know transition into that but I did start around with the idea of inspired while I was at Dimatize and it was just to see like hey if I design something if I formulate something you know what are the costs of goods with the supply chain logistics like can I really understand all this and make something feasible a business plan feasible that will work. Come the end of my diamondized career, I had everything built out, all the IP, the website, 
everything was ready to go, but I still wasn't planning on really doing it. It was just testing myself to see if I could configure something that would be successful. And um, come three months to when I left Dimatize, which would have been June or July, they heard that I had inspired. So my uh, the VP, who became a really good friend of mine at Dimatize, says, hey, Chris, we know you have this little brand you've been messing with. Doesn't look like you're selling anything yet. Obviously, there's a conflict of interest. So, you know, we're going to give you an ultimatum and uh, sat on it, simmered on it. He flew out from Texas, had a great ride along. And uh, two weeks after that, man, I sent my letter of res resignation. And it wasn't that I necessarily thought I was ready. I'm just the type of individual that the only way that you're going to grow is putting yourself out of your normal environment and learning how to adapt to it. And when you get comfortable, you get complacent and complacency is a killer of progress. So I felt like I was that, like I was making great money. The same kind of thing that every other entrepreneur says, like, dude, I was making six figures, cush job. And this was really a cush job. I mean, outside sales for Dimatize was extremely easy because the brand was really selling itself at that point. But I got comfortable and I really wasn't happy because it wasn't challenging to me anymore. And being around everybody at Dimatize, being at the manufacturer, talking to the president, the VP, learning the ins and outs of the industry, from international to supply chain, cost of goods, et cetera. I started getting confident. I was like, okay, I know this, I know this, but am I able to apply myself enough to make this, you know, legitimate? Put in my two weeks notice and it was just like birth by, well, baptism by fire. Like, get the fuck out there, do it. You know, so my salary went away. I had like 20 grand in savings. And over the next four to six months, I spent 20 grand on, you know, apartment, car, and et cetera, like that, to absolutely zero. And in that time, I was able to build the company enough to at least put me on a little salary to compensate what I was making. So yeah, it was a, you know, again, a long story short, short story long kind of thing. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. So basically you had the ultimatum presented to you that was like, hey, stick with Dimatize or go on board because that was a conflict of interest. But at the end of the day, you you went all in. You said, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, you have to, man. You can't just put your toe in, right? You got to jump all the way the fuck in, dude. If you put your toe in, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And that's like, that applies to everything in life. People are like, hey, I want to get shredded. But do they really want to get shredded? I want to be successful. I want to be, you know, rich. Do you really? Because your actions aren't dictating that. So I'm like, fucking get down in that shit and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, well, from what I've learned, um, people are all talk. They'll talk about the things that they want all day long, but they won't do the actions to get what they want. Precisely. Yeah, dude. It just creates this uh, genuine society. And I'm from Southern California, so you kind of have a lot of that superficial aspect from SoCal to LA, where everybody's famous, you know, quote unquote famous. Everybody's making a ton of money. Really, they're a broke ass people in debt. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to drop another quick question your way is how big of a brand is inspired within the international market, such as Australia and New Zealand? Cause I'm seeing like a lot of launches that's happening in the international markets and not within the U S market. So how different is that? Man. So take it back a couple of years, we got into Australia, we were rocking and rolling. And at that point um, we were shipping containers and it, it was just crushing it that progressed into the TGA and their form of the FDA starting to crack down on everything, you know, everything being imported. 
was a lot more strict and is, is very difficult to be able to get stuff in there. And there's many times where we sent containers and, you know, maybe a full pallet of something or two pallets had to be destroyed because it had, you know, like dynamine or we had Ariagerensis was okay over there. So there's been multiple things that kind of prevented our progress over there and growth over there until me and my partner, because I do have a partner in Australia who runs that entire thing. And that's one of the reasons I'll get into why it's so successful until me and my partner got together and then started making everything inside Australia. And we use a manufacturer that we're partnered up with. Mm -hmm. And we actually bring other American brands that we're helping out to be made in Australia, just cutting out all the, you know, supply chain they have to deal with and the logistics of shipping everything over from documents to the cost and transit time. So now we launch things that are configured specifically for Australia. And why a lot of American brands don't do well over there is because they want to sell their American formulas to an audience that doesn't want that shit. They have their own preferences. They have their own likes. The flavor palettes are different too. Mm -hmm. So having my partner be from Australia, being a local, he knows everything. You know, he's on the ground talking to stores and he has that kind of data that we apply to every launch over there. So we're big in the U.S., but I would say we're probably like 75% of the size of the U.S. in Australia. So it's, it's grown tremendously. And I would say on a brand to brand basis, like we're probably one of the biggest brands over there, at least in the, like the top five, I would say in Australia. Yeah. I just, I've noticed certain designs, labels, formulas, everything just completely different for that market, because I know that they're very, very strict with, or very precise with what ingredients are allowed over there. Yeah. Um, but I noticed you guys were making waves. So good shit on the rail. <laughs> Um, it's been fun man I'm super fortunate the only reason that we're at the size we are is because my partner over there too like I, I would not be able to do this on my own so it's the team that you have that's really going to determine the length of your success and I know you're in the process of launching an energy drink internationally devastate correct yep. or has that already mm -hmm. launched so that's already launched in New Zealand and Australia and we're going to get the first container shipped over here in October once we sell, so we've already pre-sold that container that's going to be here in October. Once we get the next shipment, we're in talks with a really big distributor over here. They're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, energy drink distributors. So my goal is to be able to get two containers from Australia, solidify that deal, and then produce it here. Because obviously ship time and like there's so much hassle just shipping anything overseas right now to get through customs, transit time, and the cost. So yeah, we're going to bring that here in October. Hopefully by early 2022, we'll be going into production here, full scale on Devastate Camp. Okay, so how different is the energy drink market compared to the powder and pill within the sports nutrition industry? As far as like formula or distribution? Uh, formula, distribution. Um, and I know, I know from the COVID and materials, there was a lot of um, lack of certain ingredients within the sports nutrition, the pills and powder industry, is that yeah. affecting the energy drink market at all? Or just like anything that you've seen different from one market to the next? Yeah, so I would say the biggest prohibitive aspect of the energy drink would be uh, aluminum supply and availability. So that's gonna be one of the biggest things. And that's what everybody deals with over here too. It's a, it's a worldwide shortage of aluminum. So the lead times are longer, just like with polymers and plastic, manufacturing lead times have gone are growing exponentially because of the shortage and the scarcity so the biggest difference that we were dealing with is really just figuring out how to be able to get enough aluminum to fulfill the demand 
because that's the, I mean, that's the issue I think everybody's dealing with this year, fortunately, which there's going to be a counteractive side effect to that where the demand is so much more than the supply. But as the supply starts going up, there's going to be a diminishing effect to the demand, which I'm kind of worried about. So we're all going to have containers now, but people aren't going to be buying it as much. And uh, I was listening to this one analysis, our economists talk about last year, since nobody got to travel, everybody was buying consumer goods. But now when people get to travel, they're not buying consumer goods, they're spending on like experience type stuff. So we're going to see a shift in the marketplace and I don't know how it's going to play out, but Got off topic again, but sorry, aluminum. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the biggest things. At the end of the day, you're giving a perspective to the listeners that if they've ever wanted to start a business, that you have to think about every single aspect in every single <laughs> Dude, like when, when you're thinking about making an energy drink, you think, okay, um, carbonated water, caffeine, what ingredients am I going to put in there that's going to make it different from anybody else's within the industry? What's going to make my energy drink what's going to make somebody spend their hard-earned money on my product compared yep. to everybody else's um so and then now you're thinking about how you're going to get aluminum for your energy drink that that's something that most individuals would never think of yeah <laughs> um and then i'm gonna drop another quick question your way dude is the labels and designs that you make are next level sick straight up and do you ever have a moment? Do you ever have a moment where you're looking at a design and it's like that's an inspired design, or that's a design for someone else that you're like that would be perfect for a client or something? Like, how do you pick your designs? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been doing graphic design as far as like freelance for other companies um, for just over a year now. I started last year, like last April or so, because everything was closed down. I was like, okay, well, a lot of our retail partners are closed down, so I might as well apply myself or keep myself busy with something. So starting out, and this goes with any kind of artist, musician or whatever it is, you don't really have like your own voice. You don't have your own style or whatever it may be. And that takes a while to really transpire and build up and then, you know, format to the individual itself. So I think I have a good style now, at least maybe not a good style, but I have my fingerprint, you know, like my DNA in something. So whenever I design for other people, like they know what they're going to get. When I first started designing, it was all over the place. So I'd make any kind of design you wanted. And now I have a portfolio where I'm like, hey, if you, if you like this, you know, if you like my portfolio, the design, the direction, the aesthetics, let's rock and roll. But where I was going wrong and what caused a lot of kind of issues with clients is I was trying to do every kind of design you could ever imagine from, you know, energy drinks to uh, cosmetics, you know, mm -hmm. and now it's more specific. Like if you see, I think the embodiment of my design now would be like Devastate Global and FSU Die Hard, where it's really like symmetric, there's aesthetics there, there's vibrance, it plays off like dead space and just has like a flow to it. And I didn't want it to look like a sports nutrition company. And I don't think we've ever really necessarily looked like that unless you go back to maybe 2016. So yeah, all of my stuff looks a little bit more similar now, which might sound like a bad thing, but that's like my, you know, my fingerprint, my DNA that if people get it, they're like, okay, you know, I know who designed that. Okay, sick. Thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners, my man, on the real. Yeah. And um, so I have to say, your happy hour with Justin Hall is one of the most entertaining lives on Fridays <laughs> I've ever experienced. So, what made you one day just say, fuck it? And I'm going to say on my mind, whatever you wanted with Justin and while enjoying a good drink. Yeah, man. So it really, I just have a really close relationship with Justin. You know, there's like individuals 
that uh, we like, if you believe in like soulmates or anything like that, I think that people have a vibrational frequency. And if you vibe, you know, that sounds cliche with another person, you just connect with them. And me and Justin connected. So we're like, hey man, how could we see each other more often? Talk, catch up and to make it live so people could hear our conversations because me and him would jump up on a call and it would be, you know, an hour long just talking about industry stuff, um, politics, I don't know, religion, like everything you could imagine. So that kind of transitioned into, okay, let's do IG live and see what people think. And it's fun, dude. And like, I mean, I think there needs to be an open dialogue about anything, even if it's controversial, even if it's racy, I think there needs to be like, you know, at least a platform for people to just say what's on their mind and then get other people's feedback from it. And where we're going wrong in, wrong in society now, when they say about like the cancel culture, even if an individual is incorrect, they still still should be able to speak their mind. But that's kind of, you know, we're going against that now with the, the destruction of the First Amendment. So Fridays was like, First Amendment, let's, let's talk what's on our mind, dude. If you guys buy with it, stick around. If you don't, let us know why. And I love debate, like hearing everybody's, you know, thought process and how they came to that conclusion. And typically, if you have like a disagreement, as long as you just have some sort of like, I don't know, uh, mature foundation, you could always come to some sort of, you know, agree to dis disagree or something like that okay yeah no on the real it's, it's good shit that you guys are doing those lives it's fun it's organic and you're talking about anything and everything so if you guys ever want to check that out friday i forgot exactly what specific time that it's at but just follow chris i'll i'll tag his ig below i'll even throw justin halls in there as well just so that you can know exactly when it's going to happen um <laughs> lots of weird stuff <laughs> And then um, another quick question in your way is what would you say to someone who's afraid to go after what they want? Man, so I think in society we have a bad stigma with fear or the thought or the definition of fear, which fear is, you know, a primordial instinct that we had to keep us alive. So fear is a good thing. If you're not scared, you know, you're going to fucking die. You're going to be eaten by a bear or something like that. So I always tell people like, hey, utilize that fear as some sort of fuel and utilize that to know that if you fuck up, there's going to be consequences. But that's a good thing. If there's no consequences and why do anything, you know what I mean? Like there has to be a result of whatever action you put into it. So starting a business is always terrifying. And there's so many people who are really competent, but they don't believe in themselves. So maybe their own like personal disbelief is what's contributing to that fear. But I always think fear is a good thing, man. There's a lot like having a kid, extremely fearful, you know, <laughs> starting a manufacturing company, going like all these things, there's always going to be those fears. But I think once you start to adapt to that, you can learn to utilize fear as an asset and as a fuel and as a driving agent. So I try to help, you know, reconfigure the understanding of fear and what it really is and how beneficial it is to people that are just starting out. It could be with anything, man, you know, going to the gym starting a diet, learning a musical instrument, starting a company, like fear is fuel, man. Well, guys, you heard it first. Fear is fuel. So it's just basically go after it on the real. Make it happen. Oh yeah, dude, just do it. Mike, you got it right. So I know we talked a little bit off the air, but I want to say congrats to, to your recent addition to your family. And um, I know you're super busy with um, designing with, your brands, everything. Um, but do you watch TV? Do you watch Netflix? Do you watch Hulu? Do you have a favorite <laughs> show that you watch when, when you're on your downtime? Yeah, man. So 
Um, the only time that I watch TV is when I'm done working, which is typically like around 8 p.m. And uh, we watch like a show. So that, that'll be like my family time because throughout the day, I'm just scattered everywhere, which isn't a good thing. You know, like multitasking is the worst thing for productivity, but it doesn't allow me a lot of time to really be in the moment with my daughters, which means everything to me. And I try to stop throughout the day and just like hang out, even if it's for a couple minutes to just try and soak it all in. But the only time I watch TV is usually late at night and I'll watch maybe a show or two and then hit the sack. My free time throughout the day, I'm just like, if I had dead time, and that's, that's one of the biggest things too. Like if you have any kind of free time, like you could utilize it for something, even if it's resting, but you could have productive free time. So if I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to watch TV. That's like the last, cause it's just mindless. I'll like meditate or something mm-hmm. or read a book or I'll play my guitar or something like that. But TV has its vice, you know, or it is a vice. And that's one thing that was really pulling me out of my, my focus. But same thing with Instagram though. I, I, I equate TV, Instagram, and all of these like, you know, mental junk foods, things as being like detrimental to our progress. So I try to limit those much just tonight. Okay. Um, I'm glad that you brought up that point. So most individuals that are focused on growing their brands, they're very heavy on social media and they're constantly on their phone. They're constantly thinking about what's the next content that they could create, you name it. Um, how detrimental is social media to individuals nowadays if they can't handle it, if they can't control themselves? I mean, there's an obvious addiction. You know, if these are hitting the same pathways as, as certain drugs, then there's going to become a dependency on it. And it depends if you like justify that, that dependency. And I've done that in the past where I'm like, you know, my wife would be like, hey, you're on social media too much. I'm like, yeah, but it's for the company. And I really analyzed that. I'm like, okay, maybe like, 1% is really for the company, like market research or whatever it may be. The other time I'm just like mindlessly scrolling through things, not realizing that time in life is just going by. So I think on that aspect for productivity, it's, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. I mean, think about when social media didn't exist. Like what did we do throughout the day? Like we thought, like we set and in our little mental landscape and, you know, had innovations or ideas or self-reflecting moments and, everything like that's being stripped away. So I think we're losing our individuality because of that. So social media is very beneficial for a business, but if you're established enough, you should have somebody else do that and not you be so caught up in that if it's gonna be somebody's strict position. Social media also causes a lot of you know issues mentally, I think it creates this landscape where everybody has to be a certain way and the people that are a certain way aren't really that way, but they're creating that kind of ideology or that that persona where people try to build themselves to that's completely unrealistic. So I think social media is one of the worst things in the world, to be honest with you. Like if it was, if it's truly utilized to connect with somebody that's like, you know, I'm in California. I wanted to talk to somebody in like Kuwait or Yemen or anywhere Europe or something like that. That's beneficial because now you're connecting the thoughts of two individuals that would never be able to share experiences with each other. And that's enriching, but the complete opposite is what's happening, you know? So I think it's toxic. Okay. Thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners, dude, on the real. There's, um, yeah, there's certain times where you'll go on social media and you'll see the guy that has 10,000 likes. You'll see him posting with his uh, badass sports car, yeah. living, put, putting that highlight reel out there. But you don't know who that individual is, what they're going through, what their demons, their vices. And exactly. it's literally just showing something that um, 
might be a false image. So that's yeah, it's all manufactured, you know, I mean, even with like Photoshop, what you're seeing is not even real. So we see this, you know, manufactured matrix of a society that just creates all of these issues with uh, people's confidence and whatnot like that, especially with like uh, envy, you know, it's just creating envy in people. And that's what it used to do to me when I'm younger. And I can honestly say now I could look at individuals that have things and I congratulate them more than I would ever say like, you know, fuck, why don't I have that? But that's not how a lot of people are. Everybody, you know, is materialistic these days. And I think this is just exacerbating that. Okay. And then um, another quick question your way is favorite music to listen to while working out or lifting? Dude, so growing up as a musician and being introduced to so many types of music, um, my, my Spotify is like everywhere. And I think Spotify is one of the most enriching and beneficial platforms like that we could have ever been given mm -hmm. because it just connects and transitions through so many different genres that people wouldn't have been able to hear. Like we talked about social media, like connecting two people on opposite ends of the world. Um, I've always been into jazz. I've been into classical, everything from like Bach and Mozart um, to blues, Jimi Hendrix, classic rock. My parents are older, so they're baby boomers. They listen to like the Beatles, the Doors, Pink Floyd. So I have all those vinyls. And then when I got older, it was like Metallica, Pantera, then that transitioned into more heavy metal. And then just recently, because if you grow up with rock and roll and like heavy metal, you don't listen to a lot of rap. Just recently, I started to get into more like hip hop and uh, good hip hop that has like, you know, lyrical content with meaning and substance. I don't like a lot of the newer stuff because it's so repetitive and people figure something that works and it's just cut and paste which I just think is terrible. There's zero talent in that aspect, not, not, not the other stuff. So the only thing I don't get down to that much, unless I was maybe like at a bar and just playing would be country music, but dude, I mean, rap, jazz, heavy metal, I listen to it all. And then it just like cycles through, dude. Music to me, just like art is one of the most like beautiful things that we get to experience in life. And we're so fortunate to be able to hear these like sound resonances and power us up. So I don't have anything that I stick to. I listen to everything, just country music, maybe when I'm drinking whiskey. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, Chris, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to share your story, your experiences with me and the listeners. Um, I'm going to link everything of yours down below, just in case if you guys want to check out his Instagram, um, the supplement uh, page, you name it, everything. And, um, and is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we head off? Uh, yeah, sure, man. One thing I've always liked to tell people is like, you're capable and you're worth it. I think a lot of people don't feel that they're worthy of things, especially like happy. That could be determined by social media and greed, but you're capable. You could do whatever the fuck you want and you deserve to be happy. And uh, yeah, that's my message to everybody. So thank you for having me on, brother. Oh, thank you. And um, listeners, till next time.